reading from the book of Isaiah from the Old Testament from the second chapter, a vision of Isaiah. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us His ways so that we may walk in His paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. And these familiar words from the ninth chapter of Isaiah. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Then, from the Gospel of Luke, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And the angelic host sang, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. That's the King James Version, the, the words that we probably uh, know so well. These are tremendous words that are repeated time and time again this time of year. These words will be found on banners strung on streetlights, and uh, they will be on signs and store windows and proclaimed in Christmas carols and in carols we sing, Right? peace on earth. And yet, we look around and we see precious little peace on earth. The world seems more conflicted and divided than ever. New tensions have arisen in the Middle East. North Korea is now able to launch an ICBM missile capable of hitting anywhere in the United States. The threats of terrorism continue to abound. In our own country, divisions seem to grow ever wider along racial and social and political lines. Rational discussions of differences rapidly become personal, so that rather than agreeing to disagree agreeably, people end up hating one another and cutting off all communication. Lack of peace in the world, in our, in our relationships, 
leads to a profound lack of peace within ourselves, right? We all feel the stress, the anxiety. Worry can rule our hearts. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Beautiful words, but in all honesty, don't they seem to ring hollow at times? The dissonance between the Christmas message of peace and the sorry state of the world as we know it may cause us to doubt the Christmas message. I mean, is the song of the angels nothing more than just a pipe dream, a fond wish for a world that will never be? It's easy to become disillusioned and give in to despair. One who keenly felt the dissonance between the Christmas message of peace and life as he was experiencing it was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, the 19th century American literary critic and poet. Uh, Longfellow was the most popular poet of his day, and he's probably most famous for his poem, Paul Revere's Ride. In 1861, Longfellow's wife, Fanny, tragically died after her dress caught on fire leaving him with five children. Her husband at the time was awakened from a nap, and he tried to extinguish the flames in her, on her dress as best he could. And first he started with a rug and threw a rug on her, and then he threw his own body on her, tried to extinguish the flames. But she had already suffered severe burns. And so the next day, on uh, July 10, 1861, uh, she died. And uh, Longfellow's burns were so severe, his facial burns were so severe that he was unable to attend the funeral of his wife. In fact, he would grow a beard to hide his burned face. And at times he'd, be, he'd, he'd think that he'd have to be sent to an asylum uh, be, on account of his grief. So the first Christmas after Fanny's death, Longfellow wrote, how inexpressibly sad are all holidays. A year after the incident, he wrote, I can make no record of these days. Better leave them wrapped in silence. Perhaps someday God will give me peace. And then Longfellow's journal entry for December 1862 reads, A Merry Christmas, say the children, but that is no more for me. His dear wife's death took place as uh, tragically a war raged between the states. And his son Charles, unbeknownst to Henry, went off to join the Union Army, and he received word that his son was seriously wounded in battle. And Longfellow brought him home and nursed him along the long road to recovery. It was a very difficult recovery. And so on Christmas Day, 1863, Longfellow, a 57-year-old widowed father of five children, the oldest of which had been nearly killed as the country tore itself apart in war, wrote a poem seeking to capture the dynamic and dissonance in his own heart and the world that he was observing around him. And so there he was, Christmas morning, and he heard Christmas bells from the church belfries around. And the singing of peace on earth from carolers. But at the same time, he saw a world of injustice and violence that seemed to mock the truthfulness of the angel's song. 
So he took pen to paper and wrote a poem entitled Christmas Bells, which later became the basis of the Christmas carol, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And uh, the poem is uh, written in the bulletin, although it's not, not complete, but the, many of the words are there. But I ran across a more modern version, uh, musical uh, version, not the, not the carol, but a, a, a modern presentation, visual presentation of the words of Longfellow's poem that brings home the, the dissonance in Longfellow's own heart. Between, again, between the bells announcing the Christmas message of peace and the sounds of cannon, 1863, Christmas Day. And uh, this video touched me, and so I thought I would share it with you. Um, oh, the words of Longfellow's poem. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat, a peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Is the angelic message, peace on earth, goodwill to men, is it a mere pipe dream? I mean, is it merely a fond wish that will never come to pass? Don't you hear the bells ringing? Don't you hear the angels singing? Again, the words on, of Longfellow's poem. It doesn't end in despair. It ends in hope. Then peal the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The, the wrong shall fail. The right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. God is not dead nor doth he sleep. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. With the coming of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the fix is in. He came to restore our broken relationship with God so that we could first experience wholeness and peace within ourselves and then extend it to others around us. He came to save us from the sin that darkened and corrupted our hearts and has caused so much heartache and conflict and war. Be not afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. There is no way human beings on their own, given the nature of the human heart, can never bring about, finally, peace on earth. We cannot save ourselves. We can teach love, we can encourage people to be good, we can try to produce good citizens, we can sign peace treaties and pass peace pipes, but until our hearts are changed, there will never be peace on earth. As Herbert Hoover put it, peace is not made at the council tables or by treaties, but in the hearts of men. Peace is not a political problem. It's not an economic problem. 
It's a spiritual problem. Our hearts need changing. And the only way our hearts can change is to accept the Prince of Peace into our lives and allow Him to dwell therein. What needs to happen is for Christ to be born again in our hearts. As some poet put it, unless the Christ be born again in human hearts both near and far, it will not matter that we sing of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem's star. So, you know, we can put peace on earth on our Christmas cards, you know, we can hang it up on a banner. We can sing about peace on earth in our Christmas carols. But unless Christ is in some sense truly born in our hearts, Peace will never become a reality. It's been said, he who has not Christmas in his heart will never find it under a tree. And Martin Luther used to speak of the heart as the very cradle of Christ, the real manger where he is to be born. So what does it mean for the Prince of Peace, for Jesus Christ to be born anew in our hearts? It's to give him possession of our lives is to give Him the priority He deserves so that He actually rules over us as Prince of Peace, as King of Kings, as Lord of Lords. It's to allow Him full sway over our lives so that that He, His Spirit, redirects our drives, our inner drives, and our desires, and our ambitions, and our goals. It's to listen to Him, it's to obey Him, it's to follow Him. It's to, again, it's to allow His power, the power of the Holy Spirit, God within, to hold sway over our lives. So that now is a time, if we have never really done so, now is the time to ask the Lord to come into our lives saying, and I think this is a prayer that probably we could all pray, those who have been believers for a long time and those who might be curious, this, pray this prayer with me, would you? Lord, my heart is your cradle. Be born in me. My heart is your throne. Rule over me. My heart is your home. Dwell within me and make me an instrument of your peace. Make me a channel of your love. Amen. So if there is to be peace on earth, it must begin with you and me. It begins with a changed heart. And when our hearts are changed, then you and I will become powerful influences for peace. We'll begin to sow love and understanding where there is hatred and discord. We'll work to reconcile people who are at odds with one another at home or at work or in society at large. When we allow the Spirit of of Christ to dwell within us, then we'll begin to produce the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, self-control, the righteousness that creates goodwill among people. Because we know the Prince of Peace, then we will think peace, we'll believe in peace, we'll live peace. In short, we will be peacemakers wherever God has placed us, in our homes, our offices, social circles, relationships of life. If each of us saw himself or herself as God's agent of peace, 
right where we are, there would be more peace on earth. But to be sure, a day is coming when evil will finally be destroyed and the vision of Isaiah will come to pass. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That vision will come to pass. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will make it happen. But until that day, you and I are to serve as heralds of that coming peace, practicing and pursuing peace right where God has placed us, amongst our own family and friends, classmates and co-workers. And this peace that the Bible talks about that you and I are to pursue is not just the absence of conflict, but the wholeness and the fullness of life's blessings that come from God as we live in harmony with Him. This is the meaning behind the Hebrew word for peace, shalom. When Jewish people extend the ancient greeting to one another saying shalom, they're saying, may you live in anticipation of the day when God makes all things whole again. But in the meantime, then, you and I must practice shalom, working towards the positive good of others, pursuing healthy, whole relationships that bring joy. But we are only successful as we are led and empowered by the Prince of Peace, who dwells within the human heart. There's an old Chinese proverb. If there is righteousness in the heart, there will be beauty in the character. If there's beauty in the character, there will be harmony in the home. If there's harmony in the home, there will be order in the nation. And if there is order in the nation, there will be peace on earth. And so as we move through this season of Advent, let us prepare our hearts to welcome Him anew or perhaps for the first time, to welcome home the Prince of Peace. Make our, of our heart His home. Thee may our hearts be a cradle in which He's born again so that we may experience the transforming power of His grace. And then may we extend that same grace and that peace to others so that they may experience all the blessings of His heaven. God is not dead, nor does He sleep. Christ is born. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. Let us pray. Lord, we admit that we often see dissonance between our lives and the Christmas message of joy and peace. And yet, Lord, in Jesus, the fix is in. You came to invade this dark world. The light is shining and the light will not overcome it. Even though the wrong seems often so strong, truth shall prevail. <laughs> Thank you, God, that you're not asleep, that you don't care, that you're far away doing something else. But you love us so much that you sent your only son 
to be the very Prince of Peace, the one who can reconcile us to you and to one another. So, Lord, be our peace and help us to extend your peace to others.